Hey everybody, this is Six Side Collabo. My name is Candice, Erica, Nadine, Sarah, and Crystal. And we're gonna be talking about early childhood care in indigenous communities. So right off the bat, I'm gonna ask my team here to give me a word that you think of when you hear early childhood care in indigenous communities. Marginalized. Unrecognized. Unvalued. Uh, neglected. Deceived and manipulated. I picked deceit and manipulated because I feel that these indigenous peoples were given promises that were broken, treaties that were broken. They've been neglected for years and it's, it's horrible, the conditions that they're in right now. I agree, so that's why I picked the word neglected too. I think that not only did they suffer all of the things that they suffered throughout history, but I mean, after that, there's nothing really been done to actually uh, rectify in a just way uh, the things that have happened to their communities. And now that their children are suffering. Yeah, exactly. And we're kind of just like throwing it under the rug to say. Um, so I, the reason why I picked Unvalued is um, as we're talking about Indigenous childcare, um, it's seen as unvalued because it's in the sense that they're not seen as valued as a regular childcare. Um, they're definitely unrecognized and um, I feel that there's not enough people out there that know much about their culture, their traditions. Um, and I definitely feel that um, due to their past and their history, they're definitely stripped from their traditions and from their, from their heritage. Unfortunately, that's exactly why they're marginalized because even today, um, they're still seen as separate, they're looked down upon, they're degraded, and that's due to the history um, with residential schools, how they were, like Nadine said, they were stripped from their homes. And imagine this, imagine being raised by an elder, or your grandmother, or your mother, um, strong to your roots, strong to your culture, and you are taken from them and put into a school with a hundred other indigenous children and you're not allowed to speak your language, you're starved, you don't get nutritious foods, you're not allowed to speak your um, language as I mentioned, and they cut their hair and a big part of their culture was to keep their hair long and... And westernize them. Yeah. I w I'm, and I also wanted to like note too that we were talking about like their history, but the history was not actually, it's not that far away. Like the way we say history, it, it happened in the 90s. Yeah. So, I the, mean. The last school actually shut down in 96. Yeah, so it was not, it wasn't that far away that we were doing this yeah. to indigenous children. And that we don't know about it. I don't think that it's, it's largely, um, it's not public knowledge, let's say. Yeah, we need, people to know, we need people to be more aware of what was going on. Exactly. I feel yeah. like everybody thinks that, you know, whoa, that happened like in my great-grandfather's day. And, but no, it's, 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 it's current. It's still happening. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, more, it's, it's definitely recent. People are turning a blind eye to the situation. Um, okay, so for our listeners, we're going to go into a brief history of Aboriginal people in Canada. Um, so basically we're talking about the first inhabitants of North America. They're settled in this land before recorded history. Um, I think that's pretty cool. But anyways, in uh, later into the 16th century, there were settlers that arrived and 
um, they began to colonize North America. Um, and at this point, there was said to be a 40 to 80% decrease in the population after Aboriginal people had contact with colonization, which I think is absolutely insane. There is, there's 80% of the culture wiped out just like that. Um, and then this was, this happened due to various factors like infectious diseases, um, like chicken pox, smallpox, measles, um, things that I guess they just weren't able to deal with then that we're able to deal with now, which is unfortunate. Um, and part of it was also due to the loss of land that they suffered um, when colonies started coming up. They were taking up land that had been there uh, that these people needed to survive off of. Their hunting grounds, their fishing grounds, their, you know, trapping grounds. And all of a sudden, you know, forests are being cut down and we're building buildings with the wood that they're collecting and, and now they don't have space to support their livelihood and so that was also part of why a lot of the indigenous population was wiped out let's also mention about the fact that in residential schools they were forced in showers in large groups so that brought about a whole bunch of infectious diseases let's also talk about the fact that the truth and reconciliation commission literally estimated about six thousand indigenous children that died as a result of res residential schooling also like I mentioned before, they were fed very poorly, non-nutritious non meals, and um, that led to a lot of diseases as well. And the fact is, is that we are still not far from the, this history. These children are still being in position, being put in positions where they don't get the education that other children get. They don't get the health care that other children, non-Indigenous children get. And it's a huge problem in today's society that is not being addressed. And what we are trying to do here is, as professional ECEs, looking at the image of the child and bringing awareness to this issue. Yeah. We want to make sure that we're uh, sharing knowledge that we've acquired and we want to, we hope that we can change uh, the current uh, the perspective. Yeah. We want them to be aware of, aware of the situation. Exactly. Because I think when we all first came across the issues and were kind of exposed to it, we were surprised. We were shocked. Yeah. yeah. And now it's something that we're so, like, so passionate about. We really, you know, we take, go as far as we can take this. I really love it. Absolutely. Let's mention the fact that they just published an Indigenous Early Learning and Child Care Framework. Now let's take a step back here. It is an advancement, however, it's still, there's such a long way to go. Alright, let's talk about the Indigenous Early Learning and Child Care Framework that the Government of Canada just recently published. Um, the whole framework encompasses Inuit, Métis, and First Nations and Indigenous people, and it was co-created with Indigenous people and the government, and it has nine principles, so let's talk about that. The first principle of this framework is Indigenous knowledges, languages, and culture. The second principle is First Nations, Inuit, and Métis determination. The third is quality program and services. The fourth is child and family center. 
The fifth is inclusive. Um, the sixth one is flexible and adaptable. The seventh is accessible. The eighth is transparent and accountable. And the ninth is respect, collaboration, and partnerships. Now, at this point, I kind of want to mention that, yeah, it's a great accomplishment and it is an advancement. However, there's still quite a long way to go. It's not really mentioned in this framework. It touches based on the knowledge language, but at the end of the day, a huge part of being um, a native indigenous person is the core values that these children are raised with. And to not have that be a key aspect in a framework for indigenous children, I think is a huge is a huge downfall. And you can't really have a framework for indigenous children without providing them with the the culture and values and traditions of their ancestors which their families value. I agree. I think it's kind of also um I want to say it's it's a good starting point. Like I don't want to take anything away from that. Like at the end of the day we have something that's yeah, like it's a solid document. Yeah. It's you know, it's it's on paper. It's it's out there. It's put out by the Canadian government. But uh yeah, it's I think it's extremely mainstream. I think it's really like going back to how we said that it's not um like the real issues aren't really talked about and I think that's it's very evident in the framework that it's very you know we're just on the surface absolutely and let's also talk about the fact that there's over 600 indigenous tribes that are unidentified and in this particular framework there's only three and also not to mention that this framework is just 32 pages and that's including the title page and references and acknowledgements so needless to say there's quite a long way to go again it is an advancement but quite a long way to go it's a start it's a start this coming straight from the framework um under the heading of child and family centered uh it states that understanding the child in the context of family and prioritizing the direct involvement of families in the delivery of the continuum of programs services and supports from prenatal to school age and beyond supporting families to heal from past and present trauma what are your guys view on that um i would say that i i i'm they did very once again briefly on the surface touch about you know past occurrences which is obviously a huge problem because like erica was talking about the residential schools and stuff like that it, it, they they've tiptoed around it and kind of mentioned yeah. it and now want to acknowledge that you know families and culture are important but like i said i don't know to me it's just very it beats around the it's bush very a broad bit. it's a very yes. broad statement it doesn't really kind of dial down to what they're gonna do to help these families who were or rectify the or issues. rectify the issues of this trauma that these families have had to go through and I think, too, at this point, it's not just, well, now we're going to start a new school and it's going to be great because we're going to incorporate family and culture and stuff like that. But I think any Indigenous framework even needs to have some sort of rehabilitation piece mm -hmm. to it. Because like we were talking before, these, these families 
like have suffered trauma and it's not a trauma of you know one family or one type of people it's an entire culture and those problems trickle down generations so you know your grandparents would have experienced it and their great-grandchildren are still experiencing it so i just to put out a small framework on you know this program i think that like it's missing a huge rehabilitation piece and i think that would be my problem my biggest problem with this framework I have to say, too, another part of this framework that I was kind of shocked that they didn't add was the um, involvement of elders and family members to actually write this framework. Like, how can you write an Indigenous framework and not one of your key concepts be the involvement of elders and traditions and values embedded in what you are going to teach these children. Yeah, so people who lived the experience, who actually went through it, need to be um, definitely included in the in the framework so that they can teach, we can be more aware of what's actually going on. Um, they, they, they were the ones who experienced it, those elders, right? And they, that's part, actually part of their culture. They want to pass down that information mm-hmm. to the children so that they know what was going on and who those people that wrote this they need to they need to have that knowledge that background so that um people can be aware of it and and we, and it's also it's not just even to like like you said not just maybe being aware of the issue but also learning from our mistakes right if we don't acknowledge what happened then how are we going to move, move forward, forward. or move gonna... around it productively yeah. you know we can always move forward and neglect the issue but that's never you know a, a productive or or healthy way of doing something All right, so, so far, I think we've touched on um, a few topics that seem to be uh, issues surrounding early childhood um, education and care in Indigenous communities. Um, We talked a little bit about, like, having a rehabilitation program, uh, common awareness, family and community involvement, uh, residential schools, um, a small history, uh, the things that we think were important on this topic. Um, kind of bring awareness to what is happening and what needs to change. Um, so, all right, everyone, that is all for today. And we will also have a guest come. In the next podcast, uh, some of the topics we will cover are policy, what needs to change, rehabilitation, how are we going to fix this growing concern, and lack of resources. How can we educate others in being more aware of the growing issues? And we will also have a guest come in to share their knowledge and experience with Indigenous childcare. This is Six Side Collabo. Make, your com- make sure you comment, and we will see you all next time. All right, everyone, that is all for today.